Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Premed Year, session number 472. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I have an amazing guest that reminds me of the early days of The Pre-Med Years podcast when it was still known as the Medical School HQ podcast. In those early days, I was very involved with Old Premeds, which was an organization that I ended up taking over shortly after we started kind of the medical school headquarters and stuff like that. But the old premeds world involved non-traditional students. And one of my earliest uh, favorite episodes was an interview that I did with a 56-year-old third-year medical student. And this week, we have a med student who started medical school at 50 years of age. And we're going to talk all about that journey to medical school, why now, what are some potential issues with starting now, and so much more. You can find Jen on TikTok and Instagram. On TikTok, she is the road to Dr. Jen with periods in between each of those words. Again, that's the road to Dr. Jen. On Instagram, it is the same, the road to Dr. Jen. Let's go ahead and say hello to future Dr. Jen here on The Pre-Med Years. Jen, welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Um, You are by far not the oldest and wisest person. (laughs) Maybe you're the wisest, (laughs) um, uh, using wise in replace of old. Uh, Not the oldest medical student who I've had on the podcast, but it's been a while since I've had some old pre-meds on, uh, or old med students. Uh, And so I'm really excited to chat with you. Number one, because of that, uh, I just love the conversations that come from super non-trads, but also because... I love your TikTok and and you're a fun person. And I just, I I know it's going to be a great conversation. So let's start with when you first realized that you needed to go to medical school and become a physician. Well, I actually have a picture at my parents' house that I drew when I was five years old, that I drew a picture of me in a tutu and a white coat. And I said I was going to be a ballerina doctor. Um, So one of those is coming through. Uh, coming true. The other one, not so much. Uh, lacked the coordination for the ballerina <laughs> part. But I, I think, as you well know, a lot of times in our in our path 
toward our dreams. Uh, real life has a way of getting in the way. Sometimes real life in the form of being married to the wrong person, uh, real life in the form of being a single mom raising kids, uh, sort of all the, the steps along the way that make it so that med school just isn't necessarily a possibility. Yeah. Um, I have twin boys. They are now 19. They're freshmen in college. And one of my boys has autism. So as a mom of a boy who was diagnosed in the very early 2000s, uh, there was not a lot of funding available to help him with the services that he required. A lot of it was, you know, paying out of pocket for therapies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, as a single working mom, I, I didn't have that kind of money. So it just seemed logical in my brain to, if I can't afford specialists, then I guess I'm just going to have to learn how to be a specialist. So I went back to school and got my master's in special education, specialized in autism research. And that is what I was doing for a living. When I met my current husband, this one, he's the keeper. We like him. We're going to hang on to this. <laughs> he's, uh, he's supporting you. So we, we like him. Uh, he's amazing. Yes. yes. And um, so I was, you know, specializing in doing a lot of research on educational interventions yeah. for kids with autism. But in doing so was also working with some physicians who were studying the genetic components and sort of the biochemistry and the neurology behind autism. And that just absolutely sparked that interest for me again in medicine, wanting to learn more about the actual science and and the chemistry and the genetics behind different neurological conditions and different aspect of behavioral medicine. And it just kind of dovetailed from there. And I started you know, gushing to my husband that you know, I always wanted to be a doctor. I really want to be a doctor. And he was like, well, then why don't you do it? <laughs> and you know, I stared at him blankly because I was like 45 at the time. And I said, well, I'm, I'm 45. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. But that wasn't really an answer. And I said, well, I'd, I'd have to go take the prerequisites. And he's like, so take them. And I was like, I'd have to take the MCAT. And he's like, so, so take, it. take the MCAT. You know, it's like, I would keep putting up reasons why I couldn't do it. And he was like, just knocking them all down. And yeah. he's like, you know, keep going. You know, you're, you're going to run out of reasons eventually. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I have to raise the kids. And he was like, babe, they're almost 18. You know, if you haven't done it by now, you drop the ball. So they're good. <laughs> you know, you can do this. Yeah. And um, I started taking the prerequisites and I started studying for the MCAT. And the next thing you knew, I was like, I'm, I'm doing actually it. doing this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to rewind for a second because it's yeah. very common for, for kids uh, and you said you were five years old with with a tutu and a white coat. It's very common to have this kind of childhood. I'm gonna be a doctor, right? I got a doctor kit for Christmas, or Hanukkah, or whatever. Uh, uh, I'm gonna be a doctor. How much did that manifest as you were growing up in high school, in college? If, if you went to college, kind of in, in that normal traditional timeline, were you planning on going to medical school, and then life got in the way at that point? Not at all. Once I got there. No, when I was in high school and in undergrad, um, my grades were not stellar. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to put it this way. I had a really, really good time. in undergrad. <laughs> Let's just throw that out. I had a really good time. Um, but my grades reflected that. Yeah. So honestly, in college, medical school would not have been an option for me at that point, had I not 
gone on to later do graduate work and, and do some post back and some master's work. But nor was that really my end goal at the time. Um, like I said, I was just, I was having a fabulous time. So the thought of anything that required a great deal of work when I was, you know, 20 years old was like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. We're having far too much fun. <laughs> so yeah, at that point, that in my mind, that ship had long sailed. Yeah. So uh, it just, it needed some time to circle the water and come back to port. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and that's why I asked because it's very common for non-trads to, to get to that point in college where either they've decided they don't want to put in the work to go to medical school or they, they start off college and, and get some poor grades and then they just write it off and then they go have their fun or whatever else. Um, mm-hmm. But then something else comes along the way. And for you, it yeah. was having children uh, and, mm-hmm. and one child with autism and, and digging into that. So um, I, I had some negative experiences with some educators in the past as well. Yeah. Um, I'd spoken a little bit about that, I think, on my Instagram. And I had... Um, I had teachers in high school who told us that girls aren't good at math. So why don't you sit toward the back? Um, you know, in, in college in undergrad, I had a, a botany professor that I still yeah. vividly remember who said, gosh, I wish I could give two lectures, one for the boys and one for the girls. Cause then if I gave one for the girls, I could really dumb it down. Um, and then another professor who told me that, you know, training, training girls in, in science, he said was a waste of his time. Um, you know, you hear that message enough times, you start to believe it, which is yeah. so sad. And and it's, it's, it's so disheartening when I hear women say, you know, oh, here in med school, I could never do that. I'm so bad at science. And I look at them and I'm like, are you though? Are you really? Yeah. I mean, do you know that? Or have you been told that? You know, which, which is it? Because it's unfortunately such a, a common story, uh, voice in people's heads. Um, one of my earliest podcast episodes. I'm pretty sure it was with Kate, uh, which is episode 11 for, for students. If you want to go find it, premidyears.com slash 11. Um, she at the time was a 56 year old third year medical student. She was a nurse prior to going to medical school. And I'm pretty sure it was her story. Um, she was a nurse because her father said women do not become physicians. They become nurses. And so she was a nurse who for all of the time she was a nurse, wanted to be a doctor. And finally, she did something <laughs> about it at the age of 50. Um, and and so, so cool. it, it's amazing how much kind of the, the negative voice that we have in our head is put in there by someone uh, telling us that we're not smart enough, we're not good enough, we can't do it. Um, and then it takes whatever in our lives to to finally break through that. <sighs> Man, it's it's crazy. There's so, still that misconception. Like I still have people when I say, oh, I'm in medical school. And they're like, oh, nursing school. And I no medical <laughs> school. And they're like, to become a nurse. And I'm like, no, medical school, to become a doctor. They're like a doctor nurse. Like what? And, <laughs> yeah, you know, I come back for Christmas break and everyone in town's like, how's nursing school? And I'm to the point now. I'm just like, it's good. Don't fight it. Oh yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So you, you get to this point in your life where, um, you you have a child with autism. You get involved in the autism world, learning some science behind it, sparking this kind of joy. And I'm assuming as you're going through this process as well, getting your master's degree in special education, I think is what you said, you're, mm-hmm. you're at this point in your life 
all the all the fun years uh, the part <laughs> the fun years are behind you so you're probably getting more confident as a student to where medical school is is maybe a little bit more realistic in your mind once you start to think about that you're you're allowing yourself to think about it because you're like well I actually am a good student when I focus on it <laughs> was that a part of the journey right 100% yeah, when I started doing my graduate work and, um, you know, I started making grades that I, I didn't believe I was capable of. And, you know, my, my parents still sitting there, still sitting there in their 60s and 70s going, you never worked up to your potential, young lady. And uh, they were right. I didn't. <laughs> so I started seeing that in graduate school. And then I, I started taking like, some elective courses in genetics and biochemistry because it interested me. And I was like, I'm I've been told, you know, you're, you're no good at science because you're female. Um, and I started to realize I'm, I'm actually really good at science. Yeah. <laughs> that shocked me. And I love it. And, um, you know, it, it, it was, I think once you're in a different place when you're in your 30s, or in my case, my 40s, when I went back for my master's degree, uh, it was no longer all about me just having a really good time at 20. Uh, it was me at 40 as a single mom with two kids sitting there going, you know, we, we've got Natalie attached to food and shelter, mom. So we, we kind of like it if you could pay the bills. <laughs> you know, and so I was like, okay. So, yeah. you know, there's your motivation right there. You know, when you've got a, a real powerful motivation um, and, and you, when you've got something to prove and not to other people, but to myself, I, I had been in a marriage that was, I, I, I was told on a very regular basis that I wasn't smart that I, I couldn't do anything. Um, you know, you can never leave because what will you do? You can't support yourself. You can't take care of yourself. Um, it was a voice that had been in my head for the better part of 10 years. Yeah. So it really took proving it to myself and having those academic successes and kind of receiving those girls and those accolades to, to start a get that voice to quiet down. And it's disheartening to say that, you know, sometimes that voice does still come back. I'll be struggling in a class or with a lab and I'll start to say, oh, I can't do this. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. You know, my, my husband will look at me and he'll say, that's not your voice. I know whose voice that is. And, and that voice doesn't live here anymore. And he needs to go. <laughs> so. Yes. No more free rent. No, no, yeah. no more, no more space in the head for that. Yeah. So you get to a point where you're confident enough in your your academic ability. You are somewhat potentially confident enough and 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 have a husband who's supportive of you trying to go back uh, and, and take these post-bac classes and whatever else you need, take the MCAT. Um how much and and I saw a, a TikTok that you did about like <laughs> enjoy the loans for the rest of your life. Um <laughs> <laughs> which was hilarious. Uh, but for a lot of non-traditional students, the opportunity cost is a lot. And and maybe sure. people are, are in the financial industry making a good six figures a year. And, and mathematically, it doesn't really make sense to quit their job and go back to undergrad and go to medical school. Um, oh, how yeah. much was the financial consideration a consideration in your deliberation? Or, or were you like, I want to be a doctor. I don't care. Well, it was, it was certainly a concern because obviously I started this year, the same year, both of my boys started college. Mm. So, you know, I kind of looked at that and went, that's three tuitions. 
<laughs> but um, one of my boys, my son who's on the autism spectrum, um, he's an exceptional student and he received an amazing scholarship from an organization that helps support students on the spectrum who want to pursue higher education. Nice. So he, he got a fabulous scholarship that was absolutely life-changing for all of us. And my other son, who is uh, quite brilliant, uh, got an academic scholarship and then decided, you know, I really want to be a Navy officer. So he did the Naval ROTC program at school too. So go yeah. Navy. Uh, so some wonderful I'm scholarship. An Air, I'm an Air Force guy. Well. So I got to uh, go against that. But Navy, right. at least we it's not the Army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, both of my kiddos were... Um, I, I have not only very intelligent, but I have some very practical kids. And, um, you know, they looked at, you know, college, not only in terms of, I just want to go to school and have fun, like their flaky mother did back in the day. They looked at it as, you know, mom wants to go to school too. So let's work as a team and let's see how we can make this happen. So, you know, they applied for those scholarships, they entered those programs, they busted their tail in high school to get those grades. I mean, they just, it's been such a team effort for my family. So I've, I've been very blessed in that respect. Yeah. Very blessed. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of money. <laughs> people, yes. people always say like people who are young doctors are like, Oh, look at this person. They're a doctor. They're making all this money. And I'm like, they probably owe $500,000 <laughs> and they're living on ramen. So, Hey, yeah. <laughs> Financial situation aside for for a non-traditional student stamina is something that comes <laughs> up I'm like i'm not a spring chicken anymore how how much were you concerned like that you're you're able to get through medical school potentially hearing horror stories about how hard medical school and residency is how, how much did you think about that i was kind of concerned but honestly i I'm just a really high energy person anyway. And <laughs> I I'm, tell. I'm, I know, right? I hide it well. Um, but I'm one of those people too, that I fiercely protect my health. I'm, I'm very, very protective of my health. Um, I make a very concerted effort to fuel my body every day with the right food. I make a very concerted effort to you know, limit my caffeine. I, some days I do better at that than others. Uh, I, you know, I have very set rules for myself. I didn't graduate school and I do now in medical school. I'm a morning person. We live on a farm. So for me, I wake up at four in the morning and that is my most productive time. Wow. And I study my hardcore studying is between four and seven in the morning. I go to class, but I had it. And I, that was my set rule is at 6 PM every night, the books go away because I will be present for my family. I will have dinner with my kiddos. I will have that time with my husband. I will walk my dog, play with my cats and, and I will be in bed by nine at the latest that I set that in stone. I made that contract with myself and I've been able to stick with it. And I think that's really helped a lot with the stamina piece is, you know, coming to campus and sometimes hearing people saying like, Oh, you know, I haven't had solid food in 48 hours and I'm running <laughs> on three hours of sleep and, you know, they're falling asleep at their desk and they're like, how do you have all of this energy? And I'm like, I actually ingest food and sleep. It's a novel concept. Yeah. It's like, look into it. <laughs> it's amazing. If you feed the machine, the machine yeah. works. So <sighs> I just, that, that's really been my biggest focus is just making sure that with all of the, I mean, all of the time and the stress and everything that 
does in company medical school, as yeah. you well know, you've got to take care of yourself. I mean, I know they say that self-care, self-care, but it's so true. You absolutely have to cherish your sleep. Feed your body, carry snacks with you all the time, carry water with you. Yeah. It's cr- absolutely crucial. As you were going through taking post-bac classes uh, and uh, being a pre-med student, were there any times where you doubted yourself or you talked to an advisor <laughs> or maybe reached out to a medical school and they're like, uh, yeah, no, like you're too old or you're not good enough for this? Were, were there any times where... That that was a question on this journey. Yeah, when I took physics, I was <laughs> like, "Oh man!" I was like, "Holy crap!" That was that class was brutal. Yeah, I, Put, or, pushing physics. boxes up in incline incline oh, ramps yeah. is not good. Stop! You're giving me flashbacks. <laughs> Horrible. Hated physics. Hated it. My son was taking AP physics at the time, though, and I mean, he kind of like talked me through it. Come on, mom, you can do this. So he was a uh, my my 17 year old at the time was my tutor. But uh, yeah, and I mean, there were there were a few schools when when I reached out. I had one school that flat out sent me an email that said, um, thank you so much. It was, you know, lovely to get your application type of thing. We will not be asking you for a secondary. And I thought, oh, okay, no, that's fine, whatever. And then got a follow-up email from that school saying, I, I just wanted to reach out to you personally and say the reason why, you know, it wasn't your stats. It was just that we don't see the need to, and I quote, waste our time on a medical student who will probably only be in practice for 10 to 20 years. Thank you so wow. much. Blah, blah. And I, I it, right. And, and you turn that around and send it to the attorney I, who then filed a I lawsuit. I was just going to say, I mean, like, I, I remember reading it just going, no, y'all know that's legal, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. All right. Uh, offline. Yeah. <laughs> offline. Tell me what school it is. Cause <laughs> uh, yeah, right? I, I want to know that that's, yeah, that's, that's highly I illegal. Was, Whoa, so illegal, so beyond illegal. I was, I, and, and I did respond and kind of said, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate, you know, you letting me know. I said, but um, <laughs> FYI, I'm, I'm not a litigious person, but you might want to be real careful who you say that to in the future because, uh, and I looked up the statute. I'm like, based on blah, 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 blah. And I started spouting statutes going, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> Um, but, I mean, other than that, if it was an issue for another school, they didn't mention it. Yeah, it might have been, but I'd have no way of knowing. Yeah, so yeah, they were smart enough to <laughs> not, not <laughs> tell me. <laughs> they were smart to keep their mouth shut. <laughs> exactly. Wow. All right. Human bias <laughs> is a part of life, um, and sure. and we will run into those. You'll run into that. Uh, everyone will run into bias as they go through this process. How much of that are you potentially concerned about with the next phase with residency applications and, and residency program directors going, you're too old to be an intern here. Like we want to make sure you're working 24, 36 hours, whatever. You know, I'm really not that concerned about it largely because of the specialty that I'm hoping to get into. I really, you know, like I said, I live on a farm in a tiny little town. I really want to do rural medicine. I really want to do primary care. I really want to practice in a rural environment. Uh, different practitioners in those environments in that field that I've spoken to have all expressed to me that it, it won't be an issue. Yeah. There's an extremely high need right now. Right now, there's actually um, an ad 
ballot being passed right now, a bill being passed to increase funding for more residency spots because we are so underserved in the rural communities. There is such a lack of primary care in those communities. Um, And that's a wonderful career. And family medicine, I mean, gosh, I've our family med doctor practiced up into his 90s. That's awesome. Uh, so it's 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 a wonderful field where you really can practice up until your twilight years, as it were. And I've spoken to some folks, uh, friends of mine, who have, you know, the nice thing about being my age is, you know, people who've had those <laughs> jobs who have worked um, in residency admissions. And I, I had one who expressed to me, he just laughed. And he said, let's be honest. Say I'm a doctor who's working a 20-hour shift. Who do you I think? Who do you think I want to work with? Someone my age, or someone who's young enough to be my kid, who doesn't even remember when Bush Senior was president? <laughs> <laughs> that's cracked up, and he said, "No, no, no. They're going to want someone they can hang out with. Come on." <laughs> so that's what it's all um, about. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not worried about. It. And again, will it be a problem for some residencies? Sure, they'll they'll have a problem with it, and that's okay. And that's not the residency for me. Yeah. As a, a non-traditional student, uh, a lot of non-trans that I talk to have issues around um, where they go to medical school because they have uh, spouses or significant others. They have <laughs> kids who are ingrained in a specific community and school system and everything else. When you were looking at applying to medical schools, how much of I need to be in one spot was was part of your process? Uh, absolutely none. Um, we knew that both of our boys were going to be going off to school and we knew that one of our boys was going to be doing naval ROTC. So, you know, quite honestly, as you know, in four years, they could have him on the other side of the planet and <laughs> in a ship 20,000 leagues under the sea and we yeah. won't know. So, um, and our other son, he attends school online right now. So he is with us and my husband actually works remotely. So, Anywhere he has a laptop and Wi-Fi is home. We, I always think that our family, we converted a school bus a couple of years ago into a little tiny home on wheels and we homeschooled our boys. So we, we took it from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine and boys did school and my husband worked and I went to school and none of us missed a beat. So, you know, our family is pretty good at just sort of packing up our toys and hitting the road. So, you know, it was just, my husband and boys, they were all like, you know, hey, wherever, wherever you wind up, let's go, you know, so. That's phenomenal. So, so no, lim- <laughs> no limitations geography wise. None yeah. whatsoever. I just knew, I, I knew I didn't want to do anything overseas just because I, you know, I, I do have family in the States. That was my only limit is I didn't want to be overseas. Yeah. When, when you were applying to medical school and, and going on interviews um, and, and trying to figure out where you're going to be a good fit culture-wise and everything else, how did, how did you figure that out? It was very important to me that the schools where I interviewed, that I had open communication with other students. I really wanted to have a chance to have like an, an open house setting. And there were a couple of schools that they had open houses where it was just faculty. And I thought, okay, I need to, I need to meet with the students. And that was honestly my interview day with the school where I'm now attending. That was one of my biggest draws is they had a huge kind of open house on everything was online, of course, because COVID. Um, But they had the whole zoom screen with all the students. And I looked around and I was looking at all the faces and I was listening to all the stories and I was seeing students from every race, every religion, every nationality, every age you can imagine. And their stories were just 
I mean, these incredible people and they're like, I put myself through undergrad, you know, doing singing telegrams and someone who's like, I took a gap year to teach yoga in Costa Rica. And I mean, just these absolutely amazing people that were so diverse. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the huge draw with the school that I chose is just seeing, you know, because so many of the schools would say like, oh, we really want a diverse population. And then I would kind of go to the open house and I'd see all the students and kind of go, ah, do you go really? Because I'm, I'm maybe not seeing that. <laughs> but it's it's the, the TikTok trend. White, white. All of them are white. <laughs> not wrong. And they were all 23 and straight out of undergrad. And I was like, oh, now you know. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, but there were, there were definitely the, the schools that I narrowed down to were the ones where I did see that they were really, you know, walking the walk, that they yeah. really were looking for people from diverse backgrounds and they were looking for non-traditional students and they were saying, okay, yeah, yeah, no way. We know about your GPA. We know about your MCAT, whatever. Everyone has that. Yeah. Tell me what makes you interesting. Yeah. What's, what's cool about you? Yeah. How much did age come up in interviews? think one school did say uh, i guess the closest they could come to that would be um are you at all concerned about how you will fit in being a different age from the other students are you at all concerned about you know how the social piece will work with you being you know literally old enough to be their mom (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I, I just addressed that by saying, well, I'm not their mom. So, you know, if they're looking to me to mom, I need a hug or mom, do you have any snacks? I'm like, no, no, I've raised my kids. <laughs> We're done. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not your mom. I'm, I'm, I'm your lab partner. I'm your friend. I'm your classmate. But I said, no, they, it, it'll be established from day one that no one's going to call me mom. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not, we're not even going to go down that road. So, and, but that was it. That was the only time it was ever addressed was, you know, or, are you at all concerned that you'll basically kind of not have the social connection? Hmm. So. Okay. Interesting. How, yeah. how has it been when, when you step, set foot on campus? Uh, I'm assuming you're, you're in person for medical school. Yes. Um, when you set foot on campus as, as the, the student who's old enough to be their mom, how, <laughs> how have the students um, kind of brought you into the, their, their group? It is, I mean, I, I was actually astounded. Um, it has never been an issue. I yeah. told my husband, I said, you know, I'm fully prepared that I'm going to probably be sitting alone at the lunch table. And, you know, that I'm, everyone's going to be like, I don't want to be with the old lady. Um, it's, it's never been an issue. Um, from day one, I've just been Jen. And I've never felt treated or viewed any differently by the students or the faculty. Um, you know, I was going out with a, you know, they'll be like, Hey, we're playing soccer. Come play soccer with us. We're going to go hiking this weekend. Jen, you should come. And, you know, I was going out to dinner with one of my classmates and I was just kind of laughing with her. And I, she told me, she was like, Oh, you and my mom are the same age. And I was like, (laughs) is that weird for you? And she was like, looked at me and she said, you know what? I've never even thought about, I never even think about it. You're, you're just Jen. Yeah. I never even think about it. So I was like, I, I wish cool. the one thing I wish younger people knew, and I'm, I'm 41, so I'm, I'm not too far behind you. Um, <laughs> the, the one thing I wish younger people knew is that like inside, I feel like I'm 20 still. So I know. Like, I, I feel I'm, I may have some wrinkles, um, but I feel young. And, and, and so I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the awesome part that 
for you probably feels completely normal. It's for the, everyone else. It's yeah. like, well, you you don't look like us, but hey, whatever. Um, and, and <laughs> I feel just, more 25 now than I did when I was 25. Exactly. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, it makes complete sense to me. I, I definitely feel that. So that's awesome. What do you think is, is let, let's do with a, a pros and cons. What, what do you think is the best thing about going back to medical school at 50 plus? Oh, you're, you have such an amazing sense of self at 50. Um, you, you know, all the, the drama, all the, the crises, all the things that just in your 20s that made you just absolutely fall apart and your world was ending. Um, you have such an amazing self you know, self-awareness. Um, I think, you know, honestly, I, I look at a lot of the things I've been through in my life when you, when you've been through, you know, a, a bad marriage, when you've been through a divorce, when you've been through the financial struggles, uh, when you've been through, you know, illness, when you've been through recovery, when you've been through just the, all the kicking that life gives you in your thirties and forties, you know, a bad grade on a test is nothing. Yeah. You know, everyone's like, oh, I'm so stressed about that. And I'm like, this is not stress. Yeah. You have never laid, aw- laid awake at night with your kids sleeping in the other room thinking, am I going to pay the light bill or am I going to buy groceries this month? Because that's all I can do. And you've never sat there and gone through a divorce and fallen to pieces. And you've never gone through, you know, just different things in life that you go through later on that really give you this amazing sense of perspective. I don't freak out over things. I, I just don't, I don't stress out over things. Um, you know, honestly, I sit there and I look around and I'm like, do I have a pulse? Do my children have a pulse? Cool. Then everything else is gravy at this point. You know, everything else is gravy. Yeah. What's the worst thing? <laughs> uh, the worst thing, neurology. I despise that class. <laughs> My wife's a neurologist. She wouldn't like that. Answer. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm fine with veins. I'm fine with arteries. You yeah. throw the nerves in there and I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, yeah. uh, the, the meme online where it's like a, a bowl of spaghetti with an arrow. But like, what's this nerve? That's, yes. <laughs> I don't know. That is my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess the only thing, um, you know, just like I said, I feel 25, but sometimes my body is like, mm, no, honey, you're not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, carrying a heavy backpack every day, you know, all of a sudden I've got pains in my back that most people wouldn't have being on your feet in an anatomy lab for five hours. And I'm like, yeah, my back is killing. And yeah. like the other, the other kids aren't really necessarily going through that. So there are definitely every now and then there's kind of those little physical things, those little reminders that I'm like, yeah, no, babe, you're not 25 anymore. God bless. But <laughs> yeah. I laugh it off. It's good. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's take a little detour away from medical school and talk about TikTok. <laughs> Number one, we're dealing with like, wait, you're 50 years old. You want to go back to medical school? Uh, most people are like, wait, you're 50 years old. What are you doing on TikTok? What are you doing on TikTok? <laughs> that was what my son said. <laughs> Talk about why, why did you start a TikTok account? Well, I actually, I had started with Instagram. Okay. And when my husband and I got married and we moved out here, I, I had been living in Portland, Oregon prior to that. And so we were, my kids and I were, were a city family. And then we moved out to the farm and my friends were like, oh, you should start an Instagram, like your Green Acres life, you know, going from city life to farm life. And I was like, cool. So it started like a 
a little farm life blog. And then when I decided to go to medical school, my husband was like, well, you should you know, probably switch it a little because your focus has changed now. And so that's when we came up with the road to Dr. Jen. And uh, then my friend was like, oh, Jen, if you want to get more viewers, you have to do reels. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. So talk me through this. So she sat down and um, it was actually a friend of my son's. So she was, she was showing me how to do reels. And then she was like, well, if you really want to do cool ones, you should go on TikTok because then you can do them there and then you can just upload them to your Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Do you really want another social media platform? I mean, I don't want, I'm too old for TikTok. Isn't there like an age limit on there? And she's like, no, 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 no. I'll just show you. She goes, you don't even have to go on TikTok. She's like, just go on there to make your stuff and transfer it over to Instagram. So I went on and I made like my first TikTok and uploaded it, just uploaded it straight to Instagram thinking, oh, it'll just be real. And it got a few hits on, on Instagram and stuff. And then um, I got an email from one of my son's high school friends. And she sent me, she's like, oh my gosh, Mama Jen, she calls me Mama Jen. She's like, Mama Jen, have you been on TikTok? And I'm like, no, not since you showed me how to go on there. And she's like, she's like, Jen, you have 11,000 followers. On TikTok. And I went, I have what? For like one And I was like, are you kidding? She's like, oh, you got to keep going, girl. And so I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of like took off from there. It was weird. And now I just, I love it. It's a kick. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. I one of my professors, um, like my third, fourth week of class, I think it was. And then I went up to talk to her about a research project and we we're sitting there talking and then she looked at me and she just grinned. She goes, okay, I have to tell you, Jen, I follow you on TikTok. And I was like, oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Talk about, I, I, I think, right, we, the older generations typically are like, oh, you're wasting your time, blah, blah, blah. What do you think TikTok and social media adds to you as a medical student, potentially you as a future physician? It makes me more approachable. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's pretty much I, what you see is what you get with me. Like I said, I don't have a lot of filter. So, I mean, my Instagram and my TikTok is, that's just kind of who I am. I'm a big dork. So, you know, when I kind of do like the sillier ones and stuff, that's just, that's my sense of humor. This is just like, it's like my diary. It's like, you know, here, here are my musings for the day and here's what I find hilarious. (laughs) So I think in a lot of ways it it does. It just makes me a lot more approachable and, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm a really just nauseatingly optimistic person and it's like really like chronically upbeat and I think that's good for people to see because I think so much of what you see on the internet and that I see from a lot of other you know not all but a lot of people posting med school it's all posting about you know this is horrible this is terrible and it's a nightmare and I'm banging my head against the wall and I have no life and I just I can't you know med school is just such torture and it's a nightmare and I'm like okay you know it's a lot of work sure but I mean come on it's it's also the best time I've ever had. I'm having a yeah. blast. So I want people to see that medical school isn't this like torture chamber. It's not, they're not hazing you there. You know, it's like, it's fun. You guys, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And it's full of these incredible aha moments. And yeah, it's a lot of work, but anything worth doing is. So I just, I want them to see the positive side of medical school, yeah. that you can go to med school and still have fun. It's possible. <laughs> it's, it's such a great perspective. 
for the non-traditional student or, or maybe the, the young and the traditional student out there listening to this, thinking about medical school, um, the, the 45 year old nurse who was told she, she shouldn't be a doctor because she's a woman. Um, what do you, what do you say to them now that you're in medical school, you're, you're kind of on the other side of that MCAT and, and pre-med divide. What do you say to them to encourage them to continue down this path or start down this path? I would say that voice in your head that's telling you you can't do it, that voice isn't real. That voice is based in voices you've heard in the past. That voice is based in insecurity. Um, That voice is based in fear. And that fear-based voice is not real. It doesn't take extreme brilliance to be a doctor. I keep hearing people say all the time, you're like, oh, I'm not smart enough to do it. I'm not smart enough to do it. You don't have to be Albert Einstein to go to medical school. You don't. Most people possess the innate ability to handle and disseminate the material that we receive in medical school. The only thing is, it's just tenacity because you're receiving that information so rapidly. I heard the analogy of you're trying to drink from a fire hose. That's how they present the material in medical school. It's fast and furious and there's a lot of it. But if you can teach yourself, and I do believe this is teachable, you can teach yourself time management skills. You can teach yourself how to focus on the material. You can teach yourself how to manage the sheer workload of it. Anyone can do it. Anyone. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to have a certain IQ. You you don't. You know, success in medical school is just based on how bad you want it and how hard you're willing to work for it. All right, there you have it again, Jen, a 50-something-year-old medical student who is loving life right now. So much amazing wisdom shared, and I hope some inspiration for any of you out there on your journey that it's just, it's never too late. Before we end, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. If you're within 60 days of taking your MCAT, go over to blueprintmcat.com, click on free resources at the top, find the replay of the Blueprint Sketchy workshop that I did with Blueprint MCAT and Sketchy MCAT, and then check out the amazing resource, the Sketchy and Blueprint MCAT Practice Exam Bundle. If you're coming down to the wire with your MCAT prep, Full length, full length, full length is what you should be focusing on. And you can get the best full length exams outside of the AMC from Blueprint and get amazing bundle with Sketchy MCAT to help you learn that material faster and solidify it in your mind. Again, that's Blueprint MCAT and Sketchy MCAT at blueprintmcat.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.